Welcome one and all to I Got Lucky with King's Eyes, a show so fantastic that has been deemed by Jim Ross as a slobber knocker. If you know your wrestling, you know that that's a good thing. Welcome. I hope you all had a good week, uh, some good food and a little bit of good luck while you're at it. Let me introduce myself. I'm your host. I am a purveyor of a phantasmagoria of podcasts and a warrior of web design. But for today, I go by King's Eyes. The wonderful intro song you heard is a clip uh, that was brought to you by Wax and his song Home is Where the Bar Is off of his most recent album B.A.A.A., which I believe was like basic assortment of American anthems, I believe he called it at the time. That is what we are deeming as the anthem of our show. This week, uh, I talk a little bit about the uh, US presidential election, don't I? I talk a little bit about a fantastic new project that I have sold. I've sold it, it's cool. Uh, I talk about how Nintendo has released a an old classic once again. They know where to hit us. They hit us right in the nostalgia. I talk about an upcoming event in the Rally Sphere, which is not in the WRC this time, imagine that. And also, we're gonna talk about AEW Full Gear coming up uh, tomorrow, actually. A uh, little run through of the card and a little preview uh, as I view it. So strap on in, grab a cold beer or beverage of choice, listen to some stories from this past week, and have yourself a good Friday. Before we get really into this week's show, though, I'd like to bring a special sponsor up and ahead in front of y'all. It's called Commissions by Schmurp, uh, which you can find at kingseyes.life slash commissions. What you'll find on there is a phantasmagoria. I kind of like using that word today. A phantasmagoria, a fantastic design made by our dear friend, the self-taught graphic designer from down in Texas, Schmurp. We used to be Schmurp Derp, now it's just Schmurp, I believe. Uh, he does some incredible, incredible stuff, and now we have revamped his commissions page, which means you will get the chance to see uh, uh, tidbits of all his work. You'll also find prices, you'll also find easy access ways to find his portfolio, which for the majority of it now lays on commissions, uh, like on King's Assault Life Slash commissions anyway. But, you know, things like his Behance and his Dribble, you'll also find his Twitter, you'll find a contact form where you can get directly in touch with Schmurp and talk about how he can enhance your marketing today. So I would highly encourage you go to kingseyes.life slash commissions and you get a hold of Schmurp. He has some fantastic stuff for you to indulge in. But anyway, go check out kingseyes.life slash commissions and do it now. Thanks to Schmurp for being a sponsor this week. Parentheses, it's on my website. I kind of, that's, that's, that's still my, my sponsor that I've created. Never mind. How about we get into the show this week, folks? So, what have I been doing this week? Uh, it hasn't been really that much to do. Uh, we've been, I've been focusing in a lot on studies up until Tuesday, which I'll get into in a second. Um, but prior to that, uh, I've been uh, working a lot on getting this documentary thing together. I went and I did a, um, uh, what would you call it? Like, uh, practicing almost, or a walkthrough of these new cinematic cameras that I intend to use for my documentary, but I require special training for them. That's the word I was looking for, special training. So I, I went into uni, full mask on and everything, and I had the opportunity to learn and now i am certified for a use with uh, what's called the black the black magic ursa which is a fantastic cinematic camera with all sorts of capabilities that i could just dream of finding in any other camera 
um, that I currently possess myself. I currently have like this old DSLR and I have a drone and stuff. So I'm completely, completely content with the cameras I have. But for this, I want to do a little extra and I want to challenge myself. So that's why I went and I got to the practice for the uh, Blackmagic cameras, which was fun to discover, oh shit, there is so much you can do with these cameras uh, in comparison to the uh, the ones I have and like other things that aren't cinematic cameras. So that sits high on my, my wish list now, uh, long term. That's not a Christmas fucking thing, because I'll whoever would get me one of those would go broke after. So none of that. Uh, that was probably the highlight beyond, you know, uh, copious hours of watching pre-recorded lectures and also discovering, obviously, that, uh, you know, I'm not able to go home for Christmas this year, which uh, on its own sucks. But on the flip side, it's interesting and it's going to be a lot of fun in the sense that I'll get to spend Christmas with my my in-laws, uh, with my uh, soon to be mother-in-law and father-in-law and my fiance and her little sister. Um, it's all going to be a lot of fun because it's a new experience. I've spent uh, 26 Christmases to date um, in Norway at my house. And it's been a lot of, uh, or with my family rather, not just in that house. But it's been, um, it's been tough to, uh, you know, think about and understand that, oh, well, that won't be it this year. But even with that, I'm very much looking forward to this new experience with uh, the uh, the new family and in a new country, trying to figure out or trying to see what the traditions over here are like, which traditions in the UK generally have intrigued me anyway. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it, I will say. Well, I'm, I might sound a bit down on it, but I'll that'll turn. It's fine. I'm not worried about that at all. I'm looking forward to a very good time around Christmas. But then... The albatross that we're all waiting for the results for. As of uh, as of this publishing, I can't verify if the result has gone live or not. But let's get into what the the week has been like for the world. The government's corrupt. I know it. What the fuck you want me to do? Go overthrow it. And I couldn't be on. I couldn't logically, for any given reason, not talk about the election in the United States. The election for a new president. Again, I keep hammering home how I don't want this show to be overly political, but I think um, on this occasion I'll have to make an exception because it's such extraordinary circumstances in the United States presently. Uh, primarily, obviously, to do with the election and the cool, calm, and collected nature of uh, one candidate and they're just throwing the toys out of the pram nature of the other which you can guess which one is which clearly clearly biden is the one that's throwing his toys out of the pram right right that's what the republicans would say anyway because uh, the republicans are much rather than focusing in on this being a fair race they're focusing in on oh there's there's voter fraud in every state that biden has won there is all sorts of weird allegations about how uh, there is uh, voter fraud in every state that Joe Biden has won. Very coincidental that. Nothing to say in the states that uh, Donald Dump might have won 
uh, currently. Nothing to say on those ones. Just, uh, you know, oh, it's, uh, there's voter fraud in, um, in Georgia and Pennsylvania and, uh, you know, Wisconsin and Michigan. And we're bringing litigation and we're bringing lawsuits and we're bringing all sorts of bullshit to try and stall the process and to try and uh, make it seem like this process that has been in place long before any of us were fucking born, that every four years votes are counted um, and is done by professionals who does this stuff. They have one job. It is open the envelope, look at the names, put it in a pile, and then upload a result. That is about the extent of this. Uh, and it's uh, time-consuming, and it's important work, and uh, bless you, any and all of you that does that process, I commend you, particularly with the fucking outrageous amount of bullshit going on in the country alongside this, which is stuff like uh, angry mobs of presumably Republicans standing outside uh, these counting offices and counting locations and screaming about stop the count or uh, how to count the valid ballots, which for the most part will be all of them. There was also... I saw Rudy Giuliani's goofy ass face and heard his voice for the first time. I've heard like I've seen all this, the pictures that like Stephen Colbert will put in his show about the guy. But I never imagined he would be as goofy to look at and as disgusting to listen to as he actually uh, has sounded like. I knew he was like Trump's but like Trump's butt buddy and I'm I'm sure he does all sorts of disgusting things for him. But to think that he, they're basing a lot of the fucking litigation he's suggesting on just semantics. The fact that they couldn't stand at a, a certain distance closer. Are you fucking trying to hawk these people? Like while they're trying to do their job? No one's fucking comfortable, particularly now with coronavirus and everything. No one is comfortable with having someone sitting at three feet of distance from them. You are like, and this is things that surely will have been practiced before where uh, they are uh, subject to sit in one particular spot and they can monitor from there. It's nothing to do with whether you're looking at the ballots or not. You're not supposed to. That's not your job. You're supposed to view that they do their job with the pile that they are given. But uh, that's that's flown past the Republicans, uh, which I think I, I deemed them on Twitter as a people in denial. People that don't give a first fuck about their own safety or, you know, the well-being of themselves or their country, because clearly they don't. If they, for some reason, and clearly some of them do, when over 69 million people have still voted for this fucking pig shit that's sitting in the White House to remain in the White House. Luckily, there is about a little over 50% of the country that has some common sense about them and have voted for somebody that maybe not be the best option, but certainly is a better way to go than... Uh, El Presidente Fat Pig Shite. Uh, bless, bless any of you Republicans that think, honestly, that you'll, you'll get a, a better result and a better time out of that fucking schmuck. I'm, I'm saying, and I'll keep hashing this home, Tronald Dump is a useless piece of human, you know, excrement on the underwear of life. There, even that is an indictment on anybody else that is just human excrement on the underwear of life. Because they don't want them either. There's... Uh, no. Apparently, though... The... Uh, it's so fucked 
with the results, because you were sort of hoping and expecting and thinking on that first night, you were thinking, oh, well, you know, it, it, it looks from projections and polls and all this other stuff like Biden will win this in a landslide. And then it's like almost a dead tie by the first night. And Trump at points have been leading still. Luckily, more and more of that has subdued and it's, you know, it's lessened. But you still won in various states, such as a Florida. Uh, that is just like, why? Why in the fuck? <sighs> That's... I saw so many tweets that were just like disappointment over the country that you live in. Uh, on account that people are that unintelligent to think that he is good for anything. They even did face-to-face -face interviews with some of these people. That the one compelling argument they could make was that... Oh, you know, Donald Trump's tax plan seems a bit better than what Biden's does. His tax plan? Motherfucker, you don't need a tax plan. You'll be broke. You, it won't concern you. You'll be homeless with the motherfucker in charge still in just a couple of months. And four more years of it? It's like, okay, cool. You'll be the laughingstock of the world for another four years. That's fucking excellent. But secondly, you'll screw yourself on every other account because... um. This economy, this economy that he takes all the, uh, you know, he wants credit for. All of that's fucking dipped, doesn't it? After he got in office and after all this shit with the coronavirus happened that he decided not to do anything about except play about getting the fucking virus himself and then get the best care in the world for the world to see and then be out and have breathing problems after. Sure. Yeah. Believable story. Believe that this guy is what did your country good. That and also I saw a projection, obviously, that, that I think that was a, uh, a marketing video from the Biden campaign, which showed, you know, how many um, how many presidents or how many jobs each president had created during their presidency where it showed like Trump had lost somewhere in the ballpark of like four to eight million as the only president that's been losing jobs rather than creating them. Um, for the tenure of his presidency. And bear in mind, this motherfucker too was impeached once. He still had the the seat in the Oval Office after that. Uh, he still won't get the popular vote. There isn't enough votes left to count for him to get the popular vote this year either. And somehow this fucking piece of dog shit uh, thinks that he is one big in Pennsylvania, thinks that he is winning the presidency because of legal votes rather than illegal votes, which all the votes are just as valid so long as they are open with the the correct postmark and it says uh, that, you know, all their information is on the inside and they have voted for a candidate for which the majority has voted for Biden. This motherfucker can't uh, get it out of his system that he is losing. He's been losing now for a good 24 hours. We've seen the percentage incrementally increase in Georgia and Pennsylvania, two major states that, you know, Biden has improved massively in after being behind. And uh, now Biden is leading both of them states, isn't he? Yeah, so that's where we stand currently. According to the Associated Press, Joe Biden is leading by 264 to Toronto Dump's uh, 214. Uh, and now with the advantage in Pennsylvania and Georgia going to Biden, and in Georgia, apparently there's just 4,000 ballots left to count. 
which means they will probably have a result by the end of the day. And more than likely with that, we will have a president-elect in Joe Biden. To which I'm very much for looking forward to popping a bottle of champagne to that result and celebrating that this time the rich motherfucker or alleged rich motherfucker, I should say, with his tax returns and everything, didn't get what he wanted. He is probably uh, currently and hopefully tearing that fucking ugly mop off of his head in just pure anger at the fact that he won't sit in the pram anymore. So now he's going to throw all his toys out. That's kind of what I it was it was uh, it's one of the big goals I had for this year. It was exactly that. So I want to uh, move it on a bit from there then, because now obviously we've been speaking about the election, uh, which it seems to be going one way. I'd be very, very surprised if it doesn't go that way in the end. Um, now I'm just going to find my script for this week's episode. Oh, speaking of, did y'all catch the new You Have Failed episode uh, on Borat 2? I haven't watched the film myself, but I heard the recording of the episode, and holy shit. <laughs> if you haven't listened to that, you should go check out You Have Failed by Say Invader. Uh, it's another show on the Sigil Arts Network, which is doing fantastically well. It's one of our top three shows, actually, at this point. And um, have a listen to it, because he has a weird guest on, and it's it was a fun episode to listen to as it was being recorded. So I... Uh, I can recommend it personally. Uh, let's see. Right. From the election and the fucked upness of it currently, let's talk a little bit about the um, about the website and obviously about the entirety of the Sigil Arts Network. Right. So, just in speaking uh, about the Sigil Arts Network, Sigil Arts Network, my bad, um, usually it would be all about the developments on the website and all this other stuff that, you know, it's mainly to, you know, keep you clued in as to what's going on and what I'm thinking and what I'm doing. Well, it isn't so much about that this week. Uh, and I'll, I'll keep them, um, I'll keep them under lock and key, uh, just on account that the, it's not an announced project, uh, currently, and it isn't for the English market, so it's not important to you who it is anyway. But for me personally, it actually is very cool. And it is the fact that uh, for the first time, I've actually sold a website. I've uh, I've sold a website to a Norwegian company that is very high up in their business, uh, where I have uh, the full responsibility for the integration and the design of this. Uh, it's a web store in this case. Uh, I've sold it for a what I consider to be a fantastic amount of money, particularly for me as a poor student. You wouldn't, I wouldn't have imagined two years ago that I would actually like make a, a lot of money during my tenure as a student off of something like a, making a website. Because two years ago, when I began with the the website creation of the KingSize.life website, I didn't have the first fucking clue on the uh, the bits and bobs that I now know uh, that actually then emboldened me to be able to go like, you know what, I can do your website better. And they got in touch with me and went, um, our current deal for our website has, has ceased, so we need a new one. Can you help us? Uh, yes, I can. And then we started discussing some price and some ideas, and I put a demo out for them. And it is... So 
so cool. It is going to be, and I'm, this is not hyperbole just because I'm designing the thing, but I am taking every step possible for this website that I'm building to be the absolute best in its business, bar none in the world. And that's like, it, that might sound like fucking hyperbole to you, and it might sound like, oh, you're full of shit, you can't do that. I can. I can. On account of a couple things. One, I've been in the business in question here uh, previously, and obviously I don't think any of you have access to it, but my, my CV is out on my website, so you can have a look at it, and you can have a wild guess what it might be, but I'm not going to tell you. That is a thing. I'm taking every possible measure to make doubly sure that this website that I'm putting together is going to be, it's not going to be what you're expecting from a corporate website. You're going to look at this and go, holy fuck, really? Whoa. With the, the integrations and everything, it's going to be, it's going to be so good. And I'm not saying this because it's bullshit. It isn't. Honestly, I am so stoked about not only this this website for a company that I've been a fan of for many, many years. Uh, never worked for them specifically, but even still. I've uh, been a fan of them for many, many years. And uh, just now, all them years later, I'm put I'm responsible for their identity online. And it's with a maintenance deal, so they'll keep compensating me for the, the years to come as long as that website is functioning and working the way it does. It is so fucking cool. And I, I wanted to share that because it's such a cool prospect. And I really, really do appreciate the opportunity from them. And I also appreciate the fact that I've, that's the first proper like uh, commissioned mission that I have done for any other business after I, you know, I established my limited company back in Norway, which I'm, I'm so happy about it. And I've gotten various calls and texts from my family members who got word about this and they are so super proud. And it has me, it has me so, so happy. And I'm so stoked that this is the thing. And yeah. Uh, like my mother did, though, she she said, don't don't let them take away from your studies, boy. And it won't. I promise, mom. I still have all my stuff in check. I have about 70 pages of notes just from this last two weeks alone for my studies. So I think I'm doing well in that department, too. No worries. Uh, so that's that's what's going on there now uh, from my being stokedness to my. OK, this is fucking cool. We're going to talk about Nintendo. And in Nintendo news, I have no source to go off of here. This is just just my my thoughts and my deliberations as I saw this trailer a couple of days ago. Or was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday, actually. And it was that Nintendo is releasing the Game & Watch. They're re-releasing it like they have been doing with a lot of their like miniature consoles. And that is so cool. I've, I've touched a Game & Watch once, one of the old ones with like the LCD screen and it's like mechanical action and all this other stuff and it's it was so fun to uh, try and test that and now to see like oh shit it's actually releasing as its own little thing and i'm just like nintendo knows their market well because meanwhile you have stupidly big companies such as the sony or as an xbox 
or Microsoft in that case, who have been creating their and launching their new console. I wasn't even like, until I saw the first PS5 trailer, I wasn't hip to the fact that you needed to release a console again. Um, because obviously the, the PS4 and the Xbox, whatever the fuck, came out quite recently according to everything I know. But now all of a sudden there is a new one that's then going to just take more AAA titles. It's going to be just another big, massive, weird object to have. And I don't get it. I'm, I've not followed that console train since, like, my newest PlayStation uh, and Xbox is respectively the PS3 and the Xbox uh, 360, like the, the 500 gig version, which I have, or... It's actually an 8 gig version, but I have uh, one of them things put in it. Uh, like a hard drive that gives it more memory so that I can play something more than just Assassin's Creed. And I play on neither. It's like whenever I go home for Christmas, I might touch one, uh, one or two of them just like uh, to, you know, play some Grand Theft Auto on my PS3 or whatever. But that's about the extent of it, to be perfectly honest. Beyond that, I'm perfectly content with just having my Nintendo Switch, which I just play Nintendo stuff anyway. I'm much more interested and invested in Nintendo stuff because they give a fuck. It's not all just about hawking numbers and oh, it's gotta be this frame rate and it's gotta do all these amazing things. That's not important. The important thing is that you want it to be fun when you're playing it. At least it is for me. I know people make, make their living being overly critical about other people's hardware and games and all this shit. For me, if the game isn't fun, then it isn't fun. And I particularly, I don't fancy for any given reason, either a PS5 or an Xbox 360 or whatever the fuck it's called. Now it's an Xbox X series, I believe it's called. I will say my one exception for getting either of them would be to play the new Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And this is a digression beyond Nintendo, but obviously this is to deal with video games and shit anyway. Uh, it would be just to get that game because it looks good and it deals with, you know, uh, history and heritage that is uh, very much, uh, you know, it's it's part of my history and heritage. So that would be um, that would be a fun one to pick up just on that account and just to see how accurately they speak Norwegian because nothing gets localized to Norwegian, mind you, nothing. So that would be fun. Uh... I think that was about it when it came to the uh, Nintendo and or video game section of this. Next thing though, let's talk a little bit about, uh, in this case, not the WRC, but the ERC. Right, so we have a, there's not just the WRC in the world, folks. Yeah, it's not just the WRC uh, that is a, a, you know, a top class world championship in the world. You also have uh, the ERC, the European Rally Championship, which is also underlying the, uh, the for the Federazione Internazionale Automobile. Uh, which I think I did that with an Italian accent is actually, you know, based in Paris, in France. Uh, these things happen, folks. I, um... I'm keeping an eye on that one for a couple reasons. One, you have the return of Andreas Mikkelsen to competitive uh, rally racing after, you know, a stint as the test driver for Pirelli and also after not being able to secure a seat with the uh, with either Hyundai or Toyota or whoever this year, which 
that's that's a loss for whoever didn't pick him up because that's a world champion in the making right there. Uh, another world champion in the making, which you know keeps uh, routinely being mentioned on this show. It's Oliver Solberg. Both of them are racing this weekend in the ERC uh, with uh, Mickelson. He's back in a Skoda Fabia R5 uh, like Mark II. And the same with Oliver, who uh, Oliver is just uh, ridiculously quick. And I I keep hashing home this point that uh, one of uh, Petter Solberg's mechanics uh, from an age past uh, would tell me. And it is that Oliver right now is ridiculously quick on account that he hasn't had a big enough crash yet. He hasn't had something uh, big enough to scare him into driving more sensible. He drives very sensible. He has a cool, calm, and collected head until something goes wrong and he gets pissy, as he should, when, you know, you have passion for something and something fucks up for you. But yeah, I even spoke uh, with somebody quite recently this week, and they were like, well, he doesn't have to have one. I mean, I would appreciate if he got, you know, if he won three or four titles first, then he can have that crash. That's fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's in Rally Hungary uh, 2020. Uh, that's this this weekend uh, coming up, actually, uh, where we're going to see um, uh, Mads Osberg was also billed to race this one, but uh, he is sitting it out, apparently, on account of doing testing with the um, with the Citroen. I'm curious how that deal with uh, Citroen is going to work for Mads uh, from the next year onward. Will he remain a test driver and or just, uh, you know, a normal uh, WRC2 driver with Citroen? Is Citroen going to um, uh, take their ball and come back and actually reestablish their WRC program? What is going to happen with uh, Citroen from next year onward? Because obviously they opted out this year because Sebastian Ogier left, so they threw their toys out of the pram. They uh, they took their ball and went home to France, where they have been doing a pretty solid job of the uh, the R five program that they have established. Which kudos kudos to them. They've done well with their customer racing program. Finally, after the DS three R five was a disaster on just most levels, it seems they've done well this time around. Uh, getting sort of to the level of what uh, Ford and also uh, Volkswagen have been for years and years. Uh, isn't it about time also that Volkswagen considers coming back? I, I keep thinking about this too. Just it's another digression here that wasn't mentioned at the the top of the program. Um, but Peter Solberg, he has been uh, mentioning here and there for a while about how he wants to establish his own uh, manufacturer team for the top level of the WRC. And there is logically, I think there's even a quote somewhere, that there is two manufacturers uh, that are interested, that he can go to either one of them uh, and tell them, let's do this, and they are ready. And I can't imagine for the life of me that this would be anything but Subaru and Volkswagen. Particularly because those are the two ones uh, that Petter has had manufacturer support from previously uh, that aren't also established as a a current manufacturer team. The last one then being Ford and, you know, Citroen. They have a a motorsports suit that is established from before that they just need to fucking reignite or, you know, opt to do more than just customer racing because... What a shameful exit they had. It's like, oh, Sebastian Ogier's not racing for us. We're going to leave. Bye-bye. 
uh, shameful. Shameful for the most successful World Rally team there ever was. Uh, but yeah, that is an interesting prospect. Is it Volkswagen or is it Subaru? Uh, Volkswagen obviously was ridiculously successful from the word go in the WRC. They won their only second outing in the WRC, which was Rally Sweden. One of the uh, more ridiculously challenging races, if you think about it. They won that one. Then you have uh, Subaru, who has been out of the WRC now for 12 years. They left at the the beginning of the financial crisis uh, in 2008. Uh, and haven't been seen much since. There's obviously a little bright spot with the Rally America team, which is uh, Subaru Motorsports USA, uh, where they, you know, they they brought back the the blue and the the blue and gold colors. Uh, they had Oliver Solberg racing. There's such a nostalgia trip with that entire thing, and also the fantastic job that they have been doing with their show um, Launch Control, which is a YouTube series. Um, that I, if I'm not mistaken, you can actually find it on Amazon too, because it's so well produced and it's a fantastic watch on just every level. Um, I even encouraged at the time, I put a blog post out just imploring, like, let's get you back to the WRC. Surely there is a hatchback model on the rise for Subaru that you can then use for rally racing with regulations being what they are with opting more for hybrid, which I believe is one of the key areas for Subaru um uh, in their you know in their uh, their projections forward that they want to get better with hybrid systems and shit and also how cool would it be to see toyota and subaru battle it out on the stages again both in competitive cars one in the classic blue with the gold and the other one being the current world champions and probable world champions for this year in elvin evans to see them two classic teams battle it out on stages again, with perhaps with Ford there, with maybe Citroen coming back, with Hyundai being so good as they are now. They've never been as good as they are currently. And potentially with things like, uh, you don't know, what if, what if Skoda all of a sudden opts that they want to build a WRC car? What if Peugeot? Uh, rather than Citroen, what if Peugeot came back? Because they haven't been in the World Championship since... 2007, I believe. Is it 2007 they opted out? I think it was. I don't quite recall. I don't think they raced in the 2008 season. No, hang on. I gotta think here. No, you know what? I think it was 2006 that was their last year because obviously Marcus Grunholm went to Ford in 2007, 2008 and competed uh, against uh, Messer um, Loeb. Anyway, that's a long tangent about the the ideal setting for the World Rally Championship off the back of starting on the FIA ERC Championship. That, can, that tells you something about how much I can speak on this bullshit. Anyway, lastly, but absolutely not least, we have, uh, we have a pay-per-view coming up in the world of uh, pro wrestling, don't we? <laughs> So, the card for AEW Full Gear that is due to be held this Saturday, that's tomorrow, 
the Saturday, the 7th of November, uh, at Daly's Place in Florida, because that's where, you know, they've had the residency since uh, the pandemic started, more or less. Uh, we are going to be treated to one of the most ridiculously good cards that we will have seen in quite a while from any promotion. And that takes in a lot of water, bear in mind, with uh, the things that Ring of Honor, Impact, New Japan has been doing, WWE on some occasions have done a very good card. Here is the card. Uh, Indu as they are listed from Wikipedia in this case, because, it, and this is a digression here, All Elite Wrestling, I hope you put more a little more of this into your own presentation through alleliterestling.com. Make that, uh, look at what the model that UFC does and take some inspiration, is all I'm asking. Uh, one match that is mentioned is Hangman Adam Page versus Kenny Omega. This is an extremely interesting match, not just because of its stipulation for being for uh, the number one contendership for the AEW World Championship against John Moxley currently. Uh, but you've seen since uh, Hangman and Kenny lost the tag team championships, they've both taken very different routes where uh, Hangman has hammered home or, or hammered out or ironed out even uh, more of the uh, the whole cowboy gimmick. You've seen him. He's now all of a sudden in long, long tights that suit him a lot more than the gimmick that he had previously, mind you. It suits him and just his overall presentation a lot better, I would, I'm going to say. Um, and he's been hammering that home, and he's been extraordinary in the ring, I would say, on many an occasion. His match against Wardlow and his match prior to that with, uh, uh, who was it, who was it, who was it? Versus Cole Cabana, obviously, before that. Both extraordinary encounters, which... Uh, he is he is one of those that he is now more and more getting ready to actually be a contender for the AEW World Championship, which is why this match it came very at a very interesting time because I think I said on Twitter, uh, John Moxley versus Adam Page that could be a career making rivalry, on account that they're both gunslingers they beat to their their own drum, and they're both extraordinary in the ring as storytellers, uh, where. Obviously, Hangman has been improving a lot on that over the last year since losing to Chris Jericho. And obviously, he's even used that as an element of his stories recently. Uh, regardless. And then, the other side of that match is his uh, his former tag team partner, his uh, elite friend. Or, or what used to be, because I obviously Hangman's not in the elite anymore. Um, but you have Kenny Omega who recently has uh, gone back into his uh, cleaner, uh, really been hammering out uh, more of his cleaner gimmick. And in 25 seconds, he mauled through Sonny Kiss. And then he had one hell of an encounter with Penta. Uh, Penta El Cero Miedo, or I don't remember Miedo. It's one of them last ones. Hell of an encounter when you saw it, and it's what Kenny does very much best. He has some fantastic matches, and obviously, you can't not have seen the most memeable face in history as he just fucking assassinated Sonny Kiss in 14 seconds. And then, you know, the referee took its time. 
I I found that encounter to be, or just uh, the way that Kenny is presented all of a sudden. Yes, it's much more so back to the character and the the work that we like that Kenny got famous on, and that made him the best bout machine and all this other stuff that you know all the uh, most historians and old timers will say ah, he's bullshit. He's nothing. Uh, it's. Uh, it should be flavors of ice cream. It's not even a preference thing. It's just like, okay, you don't like this, then you don't like this. That's fine. You do you, boo. Um, second match that is mentioned here is uh, Cody Rhodes, which now can be called Cody Rhodes, versus Darby Allen for the TNT Championship. This is a match that I've, uh, I've hammered home a couple of times how this is a match that Darby needs. Darby truly needs this match. Um, he needs it to be a endeavor, a, a career-making endeavor almost, much like he did at Fighter Fest the in last year when he was introduced to the company. He has lost uh, on two occasions to Cody, and there was one um, time limit draw, which was their first encounter. I, I truly believe that on this occasion for the rivalry with Cody, it has to go to Darby. And that would make for a much more interesting rivalry going down the line if the if the TNT title, which at this point is commodified as one of the greatest titles in the business currently, can't disagree with it really because it's doing some excellent work, but for it to be trading hands between Darby and Cody, uh, now that the, the title has entered the picture of their already pre-existing rivalry, I find... I think it true. I think it needs to go to Darby, um, or I I hope for his case that he puts in a good enough fight to get that title. I can't uh, say that that's my preferred outcome, but I think for the projections of Darby uh, going forward, that that would be probably the scenario that is most ideal. Uh, Cody is, he's going to be fine without the title anyway. He is well off and he is the, he's the face of AEW at present, which is just like, what a ridiculous, ridiculous, uh, superstar he has come into being. And with the amount of weight he has added on now also, uh, he's closing in on 240 pounds of just pure muscle. That along with his storytelling abilities and his, uh, improving in the ring as it is, he he is really you know he's carving a path that can't be denied and it's looking very very exciting when it comes to Cody but I think for this one I didn't make a projection on the Hangman and Kenny match I also won't on this one I look forward to seeing the match but if anybody uh, is going to come out of that match better off it has to be Darby then the match that I would hope makes it to uh, the main event of the show. I'll only do a couple more of these. Um, I look at this match and sincerely hope that it makes it to the main event for a couple reasons. One, it's a match that people have been begging for for years. And it is a match that, with the stakes being what they are, they should main event, and that is obviously FTR versus the Young Bucks. Uh, a tag team match between two of the, the greatest teams of today. Um, 
I would say one is a great or just greater overall. Uh, and one is greater with their style and having carved the the tag team division uh, to be what it is. I'm not going to say that I I can think who would win this. I think this is going to be uh, an ass-kicking contest to the nth degree where FDR probably, or FTR, sorry, are probably uh, going to be the better on the, the brawling side of things. But this could be one of the most spectacular tag team matches that has ever been broadcast on pay-per-view. Not just on account of flashy moves, but on account of the storytelling, how long the match is, uh, the the various things that these two teams can do. If, and this is a major if right here, if there is chemistry between them two teams. Because you go into a match like that and you, like, for a match to be as spectacular as projected, because a lot of people are projecting this to be very high. I Even I am a sucker for having done that. Just 10 seconds ago. But if there isn't chemistry between the two teams, you you will struggle to find them cooperating, which obviously will make for more of a, a struggle, and it'll make it look more authentic as a competition, which could, by all means, could be good. But for this to be a, like a barn burner and a classic match on every which level... Uh, there, there needs to be some sort of chemistry between the two, I would imagine. I look forward to seeing what it is, though. If if it ends up being a time limit draw between the two teams in the end, that is uh, that is one way to go out. But let's, let's see what either team puts up. Let's do that, shall we, rather than the predictions and all this. Then, while the card uh, also features Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara in a grudge match, it features Chris Jericho versus MJF where MJF uh, will be allowed to join the inner circle if he beats Chris. Um, it features Orange Cassidy versus John Silver of the Dark Order, and it features NWA World's Women's Champion Serena D versus Allison K. Also on a full gear pay-per-view. It's probably since it's one of the it's probably the biggest match that title has been broadcast in for years, actually. Here though. Uh, we're going to see the final match that I'm going to mention, and that is John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston. My gosh, that is an intense, intense bout right there between Mox and Kingston. Uh, you've seen the buildup between the two, how intense that's gotten, because these are two friends, and the story that they tell, and how intensely either man can react to what the other one says and the, just the story that they're telling. This is going to be an ass-kicking contest over the biggest prize in professional wrestling currently. There is the IWGP Heavyweight Championship also. I will respectfully say that's probably the biggest title in the, comp in the world for professional wrestling. But as of nowadays, the World Championship in AEW is probably more commodified, is what I'm going to guess. That's what I'm going to guess and assume. I'll probably be wrong on it, and I'll get some one-star reviews off of that. Even still, if you didn't catch it, you should go to AEW's uh, YouTube channel, and you should check out the face-off that Eddie and John did uh, on Wednesday, this, this week, as of publishing this. Wow. That is so intense. And tell me, here, here is a contradiction. 
to the booking, or I should say television writing, done by the most gargantuan company in this industry, that being WWE. Are you, with a straight face, going to tell me that 26 fucking writers or more could ever write a segment like the one that Eddie Kingston and John Moxley performed so intense that it baffled anyone in the arena, it baffled the commentators, it baffled me sitting at home here in the UK. Today, you can actually point out a segment that has been written from top to bottom that is as intense and as compelling as that. It's essentially sold the match for me right then and there. Because I, I've been a t bit to and from on the, the Mox versus Kingston rivalry. But yes, that sold the entire bit of this for me. And it is an indictment on WWE's creative process that you wanted to stick John Moxley, formerly Dean Ambrose, in a role where he is reading a script. He is not allowed to express himself. He has to express the preference and the ideals of the WWE. Look at what he's doing now and tell me seriously with a straight face that you're going to stick a piece of paper in his hand and tell him to read notes. Because you can't. He's a pro wrestler. He's not a sports entertainer. He is a pro wrestler. And same with Eddie Kingston. Okay, so you had maybe your misgivings about how uh, Kingston was uh, until, you know, he uh, for a while after he had his match with Cody. But look at what he is now. Now he is the obsessed number one contender that has to do this because he wants to bring the prize home and tell his mother, this is why you don't have grandchildren. This is why I don't have a wife in my life. It's because of this and my obsession with this. Whereas John on the other side has made the promise to keep Eddie safe at all times. And now Eddie is too obsessed. Now Eddie needs to be taken out. There is such, it's such a fucking fantastic story that they have built with just them two putting their heads together and now is going to collide in an I quit match for the AEW World Championship with Kingston having not had the opportunity for 18 years apparently. I've, I might have said wrong and apparently that he had a title shot a couple weeks ago in Dynamite. I might be totally wrong there. I might be completely off base there. Uh, I'll have to look into that. And if I did say wrong, I'm sorry. But. That match is going to be awesome. It's not going to be a wrestling contest. That's going to be a fight. That's going to be a flat out fight. That is what they have promoted it as. That is what it's going to be. And once again, John Mox is going to be in the most violent match of full gear. Hands down and no doubt in my mind. With that, that's how I'm going to leave the AEW Full Gear uh, review. That's how I am going to encourage you to go to Fight TV if you're international uh, and purchase the pay-per-view and have yourself a really good watch of what is looking to be a ridiculously good pro wrestling show coming up tomorrow. And with that, I think I'm going to close out uh, I Got Lucky for today, aren't I? Yeah, I got to, because I have more stuff to do. I have editing to do, I have publishing to do. I have two podcasts, because I also did my my Norwegian show today. It's called Mornings May Cornelius, which probably sounds very hinga to anyone in my house that just heard me say that. Uh, 
but that's my Norwegian equivalent show. It's essentially uh, Mornings with King's Eyes, but I followed it up in Norwegian. Uh, and it's a very light version of it currently, because I don't have the time to spend on that one. Uh, I do on this one, luckily. But that's where we're going to leave it off today. If you like this, uh, this episode, I would highly encourage you to leave me a five-star review on your platform of choice. Unless, obviously, you're either a Trump supporter or... Uh, yeah, if you're a Trump supporter, I'm supposed uh, I'm, I'm guessing I'm going to get a, a one star from you because saying you're, you know, your God, Lord and Savior is throwing his toys out the pram. Regardless, you can also follow the show on Twitter. It's Twitter.com slash I-G-L-W-K-E, which obviously is an acronym, which you should know what an acronym is. Uh, you can follow the network that is uh, at Sigil Arts Media. You can check out King Size the Life. You also have the fantastic web store, which is King Styles. Uh, where you'll find all sorts of t-shirts. You'll find new cut-to-sew cut products for Sigil Arts. These new fantastic jackets and joggers that I'm I'm so bummed that I haven't gotten my fee yet for the, for the, the website I'm making. Otherwise, I would have purchased that flat out right away. I'm... Uh, you can find me, obviously, on King's Eyes Life on Twitter where obviously it's a mix between tweeting about pro wrestling and tweeting about politics currently. Hopefully, there won't be too much more political bullshit to tweet about after tonight, but we'll see as that comes along. In the meantime, I'll catch your ass next week. Bye, guys. Everybody knows me, I'm a regular. Say hello to Martha, she's the bartender. And if you spill that pitcher full of Budweiser, she gon' clean the carpet with the rug doctor. I swear they treat.